Today's are, are, are days that I fall even more in love with, with my Savior because I see the body of Christ being what it should be. Now we come here not, to, not with an agenda or with a idea of what should happen. But we come as family and friends to celebrate one another, to celebrate two women making a public decoration. This is my God. This is my Savior. I'll follow him all the days of my life. And man, that's awesome. If you want to talk about gifts, that's a gift that we celebrate. And if you were able to turn around and you see what I see, you see young and old, you see different races, you see different social standings, you see all these different people, but you come together and you sing loud to our Savior, you sing loud to the God that created all things, and that is needed today. Right? We live in a world today that drives us and separates us and isolates us. We celebrate technology because technology is amazing. And yet we begin to, to confuse technology with relationships and we go home and we, we pour another cup of coffee and we feel isolated and yet the body of Christ, Christianity, gives us an option, an alternative, that we are not alone, that we are not abandoned, that we are not isolated, but we are part of something greater. Yes. Sociologists will tell us that, that humanity always wants to be something a part of something greater that then they can themselves can create. Yeah, that's why you watch people that are even the most, quote, wealthy and most successful live miserable lives because they realize that, and that's just not it. The tangible stuff that life brings us, that we, we strive so hard for, doesn't bring us the contentment that God offers us. That's right. And that's what we're about here. We're not the most polished, we're not the most practiced, we're, we're definitely don't have the, the best of pastors, but, I'm like, what? Oh, I'm the best pastor in my wife's eye. Um, we laugh, but this is our dad's house. For those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, we, upon a profession of faith, upon the belief that Jesus Christ came as son of God in the form of man, humbled himself to the point of death, came on the cross, died for us and our sins so that we might have not only forgiveness of sin, but the promise of eternal life. We come as kids to our dad's house. And our dad's house is not an uptight, kind of crazy, oh, you got to be quiet and you can't joke and you definitely can't laugh. And if you smile, someone thinks your problems. Or we're just people coming together to celebrate the good news of Jesus, right? Amen. And so when you ask, well, what, why, why 23? Because that's us. We are a people, young and old, married and single, people who have been seemingly born in church and people that just stumbled upon here going, man, I can't believe you talked me into this one. But we come with the idea that the Word of God, the Word of God that, that, that our Gideon brother talked about, the Word of God comes alive and dwells among us, and we get to behold together the glory of Jesus. And so it's like, oh, that's amazing. Yes. Right? We believe in the Jesus that Paul the Apostle wrote of. That Paul writes to Timothy, he, and in the story of Timothy, when he's writing, he's in a cell. 
And the cell is located just outside the Colosseum in Rome. And I'll just tell you, if you ever get to go to Rome and you miss all the stuff that you're supposed to see when you're in Italy, go to one place and it'll change your life. You see, you walk to the Colosseum and you'll turn and then you, if you walk in there, you turn left. And you go down this thing where the Senate is. But on the left is this little tiny, tiny church. And in Rome, man, they're all giant churches. They're all polished churches. They're like amazing churches. Except this one. And this one's just this, this brick structure. And everything about it, like, ah, there's so much cool stuff to see. I ain't going into that small thing because the small thing's like nothing. But in that small thing, you walk in and there's a floor. And in the floor, there's a hole. You're like, what is this hole? I guess it ain't no church. I guess it's a good idea, but you know, you cause too much problem in church. The pastor could throw you down the hole. <laughs> that's, a, that's a design. I might be able to sell that. Um, but, but when you walk in there, you walk in there and it's just a, it's a standard. There's nothing to it. There's no gold. There's no leaves. There's no statues. You're just a hole. And then you go down these stairs and in the hole and you see this sign that's there and it's like this is where Paul was kept when he was awaiting the time that he spent to stand before Caesar and eventually be put to death. And he stands there, and if you look there, it's a tiny place, and, and you, you know, it's not a lot of room, and they lowered the prisoner down, history tells us, and he sat there, and he sat there in chains, and he writes this to Timothy. He goes, there's a lot of people that look at me that have abandoned me because of my chains, and this, this persecution that I've been in, involved in, and there's a lot of people that look at me and have abandoned me, but he says, the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. I went, oh, God. See, that's the God we believe in. That even if we're in a hole that someone lowered us down in, even if our friends have abandoned us and the people that we love have turned their backs on us, and even if the things that have clothed us, that are chains that hold us down, that everybody leaves us, that our Lord still stands by our side and gives us strength. You see, that's the Lord that King David knew. That in the 23rd Psalm, when he writes, the Lord is my shepherd. Lord is my shepherd. Is I shall not want. The Lord who gave strength to Paul looks out at you this morning and goes, man, I can be your shepherd. I can give you everything that you need. Notice I didn't say everything that you want. Christianity, I'm sorry to say, is not the winning lotto ticket. Right? I know that there's certain sects of our, of our faith that if you pray a certain way or believe a certain thing, then you deserve a big, fat, nice car or a big, fat, giant check or that kind of thing. But I don't know about you, but I, my life has never yet worked that way. I've stood on my head. I've lifted one leg up. I've turned west, north, south, and east and prayed certain prayers that I'm told promise prosperity, and yet I still got to go to work Monday. <laughs> but in the midst of life, the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is our shepherd. Jesus and John says that I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. And my sheep know me just as my father knows me and I know the father. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus and the father spent eternity together. There was no beginning or end of that relationship. It just was. How much 
they must have shared. How intimate must their relationship have been. They must have known all the dreams and hopes and thoughts of one another. And, it's in this, and Jesus says to you, he goes, I will know you just as my father knows me. Because he knows us, we know that our worth is not defined by our, our past. It's not defined by our works. It's not defined by our last name. It's not defined by our gender or our race. It's defined by the fact that God, creator of all things, knows us. Amen. And he knows us in everything. And yet he sent his son to die for us. That he knows all the secrets. He knows all the, there's no closets that you can hide that's like, oh man, he ain't going to find that one. Sorry. He is a consummate cleaner. He's like, he's like the perfect person that walks in and is like, oh, I'll clean that one. I was like, no, don't go there. That's where I stick all my stuff when the guests come. But even in the closet, he says, yeah, I am your shepherd. And you'll have all that you need. We know Psalms 23.1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But some translation says, And I will have all that I need. So hear these words. Matthew says, Don't worry about all these things, saying, What shall we eat? And what shall we drink? And what shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. And so this shepherd of us, this knower of all things, this one who supplies all our needs, it says in verse 2, makes us lie down beside green pastures. Leads us beside still waters. And restores our soul. I always wondered what that meant. I kind of hoped that it meant that he would airlift me to a field in Burgundy, France. Because I've been to Burgundy, France. I rode my bike through those fields. If you need a place like a big field to go, I'm just going to tell you that's the place to go. They have the best cheese in the world. They have great bread. And it's quiet. It's like there's places in France that you go, it's like, oh, that's where that painting originated from. And I, when I read, he, lies, he, 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 he brings me to, to green pastures, or he lies me down in green pastures. I always thought, like, God will take me out of the chaos that is my life and airlift me to a blanket in Burgundy with a baguette and a piece of cheese and <laughs> some fermented grape juice. And, and, <laughs> and then he would lay me down on a blanket. He'd say, go to bed. It's all good. Uh, but we know that that's not life. The guy that wrote that section was a king, was a, was a warrior. And I can't imagine Dave listening to God going, now nap time. <laughs> but this is what I think. God does not remove the chaos that is us around us, but he does promise us to shelter us in the midst of that chaos. That's right. See, that's why I think he said, besides still waters, if you've ever fished, I love fishing. I grew up on the ocean where it's pretty easy to catch fish, I'm just saying. But I love fishing in the river. And I fell in love with, with fly fishing. But when I was growing up, we went, my dad and my grandpa, we used to always go to Kern River in California. And he taught, we'd, I learned how to fish there. And so when I first started fishing, he, they gave you a pole. And like all good parents, they just let you beat the water for a while. 
because it's kind of funny. Right? You put a kid on a reel, and they'll just cast right in the middle of a rapid. Like, boom, boom. And, and it's hilarious at times, and, as a, and I've done it. I've let my kids do that. It's like, just, I don't care what you do, just throw it. So, you know, they take this ought to hook, they hang one salmon egg on the bottom of a hook, put a split shot and throw it, and they're like, and about 10 times, you know, 10 casts, they break off. So you put another cheap hook on with one salmon egg and one split shot, and let them cast a while. They don't catch a thing. And everybody knows they're not going to catch a thing, but, you know, everybody has to go up to that. But what you discover fishing, I remember, I remember they must have felt sorry for me one trip, and like, hey, why don't you cast there? And when they said cast there, they said, find the rock in the middle of the river because the rock in the middle of the river breaks the stream flow and it gives a sense of peace in the midst of all the craziness that's rushing by. Because even the strongest of trout cannot exist every single day in the midst of the flow. Even the strongest, largest of trout, the trout that my dad will never be able to catch, <laughs> uh, will, can't have to every once in a while find... <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. So, we'll edit that out so my younger brother doesn't see it. Um, but even the strongest of fish need rest. He lies us beside green pastures and he lays us, you know, he, he brings us to still waters. He, he, in the midst of everything, he gives us periods of rest. And it is in that rest that it restores our soul. And it is in that rest that he gives us hope. The prophet Isaiah writes, Don't be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name and your mind. And when you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. And when you're in rough rotters, you will not go down. And when you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Because I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I look at you honestly and tell you that God's not going to always just airlift us out. Though at times that's our prayer. God, get me out of this craziness. God, bring it out of here. We pray against things and we hope against hope that things will stop. And yet, I will tell you this, that I know that I know that even in the midst of the most roaring of rivers, there is a rock that we can come up next to and find peace to. That no matter how wild it is, life around us, no matter how chaotic the things that come through us, God says that he brings us and lays us beside still waters. He doesn't take us out of it, but he provides a rock that we can come up next to and enjoy peace to. And in the midst of all the crazy, no matter what you face, no matter what you bring to the table, no matter how loud the world is, that there is a rock that you can come up next to. And you know that the faster the current, the closer to the rock you need to get. And so this morning, Jesus is asking and offering that truth. That he doesn't care where you've been. And I don't either. Nor does this church. All that this church and I as your pastor... Or the guy that's up here talking, even if you don't know me, I, what I pray for you is to experience that what I have experienced. That in the midst of great chaos, in the midst of great loss, in the midst of great uncertainty, there is a consistency of Jesus. 
and above all things and compared to all things that this world has to offer. It is the one rock in your life that you can come up next to that will not move. It is the one rock in your life that doesn't fluctuate. It is the one rock in your life that will not shake at you to your core. It is the one rock in your life that is worthy to be called to and to rest in and to enjoy peace in. You don't want to miss that. Worship team, why don't you come up? God and his love provides shelter in the midst of the current that is around us. Psalm 18 says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. And so Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And the psalmist once again writes, be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Can I be so bold as to say some of you here this morning, you feel like you're drowning. I prayed this morning going over this message and I felt that today was a day that I needed to be absolutely sure that I extended an invitation to accept Christ. Not because we had a baptism, not because I'm up here, not because the Gideons are here, but because I believe that the Holy Spirit has brought some of you to a point to where you're just weary, man, of swimming. And you're like, God, there ain't nowhere I can go. And he's like, come to me. You're weary. And I'll give you rest. I'll be your rock. I'll be your fortress. I'll be the one thing that you can count on in the midst when everything else you can't. Like you don't understand what I've been through. No, I don't. But I will tell you in the greatest of storms in my life, I had a choice. I had a choice to continue to be the pig-headed man I normally am and just continue to lean in. You been there? You just lean in. Ain't going to beat me. You just lean in. And it just beats the crap out of you. And it was in the time where I had to go to my wife and say, Honey, I'm selling everything. We might lose the house. That I had a choice to make. Was I going to run and stay in the world that was destroying me? Or in the midst of the world that was destroying me, I would look at the one thing that was consistent. And that was my Jesus. And that in the midst of that, I could come and find rest. And in the midst of that, I could come and take a breath. And in the midst of that, I could come and be comforted. Because everything else was falling apart. But when everything else fell apart, I discovered life in him again. You don't got to live alone. You don't have to live by yourself. And this isn't joining a church. This is going, I am tired of this, man. I am tired of this. And my friends, I've been where you are. I don't know you, but I can guarantee you I've been there. And I know what it is to want to just go, I check out, I'm done. But this morning, Jesus is inviting you a very simple invitation 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And what that means is that you turn, you just turn away from where you are and you look to the rock and that's called repentance you're going this way and it's not working and I go this way and I find this consistency in God and I realize that the God of the universe so loves me that he sent his son and his son so loves me that he hung on a cross to die for me not because I deserve it but because of his great love and so I come to him and I go I'm sorry Will you come into my heart? I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for me. I believe that through this death, burial, and resurrection and the shedding of your blood, I can have forgiveness. And by forgiveness, I can finally come close to you. And I can finally find the rest that I can only dream of. This morning, this place, I want to do two things. I want us with heads bowed and eyes closed. I want you that are sitting here that have never made a public profession or a, a decision to follow Christ, I want you to know two things. I want you to know first that there are people here that have been praying for you don't even know you. That even now they're coming and beseeching holy God to stir in your hearts the truth that is inherent in Scripture that Jesus loves you and died and rose again for you. That you're not joining a church or a religion, but you're entering into a right relationship with God. And so if that's your hope and your desire and hope upon hope that you can find something, I want to lead you in a prayer, and I'm going to pray it out loud, and I want you to repeat after me. And the people that are praying for you now will say it as well. And so let me lead you in a prayer. Men and women, dear saints, I want you to pray as well. Dear God, I am sorry for all that I have done. Thank you for sending your son for me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Please forgive me and come into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you the rest of my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.